Back to the basement, fellow music lovers. You are now tuned in to yet another exciting adventure with us here on Chunky Glasses Podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual, and uh, we do have a groovy, um, groovy little podcast for you today. A little episode, a little review, a little discussion. Um, but uh, I, you know, before we get to that, uh, there's no sort of way around it. Um, we are, as Americans, fucking up. We are. Um, we're putting children into cages. Uh, we are uh, doing everything uh, that is the opposite of, of the best parts of our humanity. Um, and and for what? I don't know. Um, I don't know who listens to this podcast. I don't know, uh, you know, if you voted for Trump or Bernie or whoever the fuck you voted for. It doesn't, doesn't matter. It's beyond politics. It's beyond everything. It is... Um, we have to stop this. We have to get this motherfucker out of office. Whether we drag him out or vote him out, uh, it doesn't matter. But uh, this is um, it's bad times, and it's and it's and it and it's weird to be talking about music uh, during bad times like this, or or doing anything except going out and and seeing what you can do to help. You can donate. I believe one of the places races. That's the one that's been going around. We'll put a few links in the show notes. Um, you can even you can talk to your friends if your friend is having a hard time. I talked to um, our photographer Mauricio today on Slack, and he, you know, he's an, an immigrant. His family's from immigrants, and um, uh, you know, he's having trouble sleeping. I, I, I don't know what to say to any of it except we have to fucking stop and we have to do and uh, end this uh, this horrific. Whatever the fuck it is, by any means necessary, um, and so that is, uh, and, and that's partially why, um, you know, to bring it back around to us, we're gonna be taking a break. We got this and one more episode, um, and uh, and then we're gonna take a break, and we're gonna come back in a few weeks, maybe a month, uh, maybe two. I don't know, uh, and and we're actually gonna try to see what we can do better to try and. Um, I mean, at least small corner of the world better. Uh, the guy we're talking about today, the Masi Washington, I think, is a key in in making this world better. Um, his album, The Epic, a couple years ago, was a stunning sort of reignition of, of American jazz. It didn't go anywhere, but but y'all stopped paying attention. Now everybody's paying attention, and that's fucking fantastic. And um, and uh, harmony of difference is uh, if for me. If you need peace in this time, for even it's a short album. I think it's like thirty minutes, maybe under forty minutes. Uh, put that on, grab onto whatever bit of peace you um, you can find. And now his new album, Heaven and Earth, is out. Or it's coming out. It'll be out on Friday. Uh, it is again a uh, it's four LPs, but a double album. One side Earth, one one side Earth, one side Heaven. Uh, and it is a masterful work. You're going to hear me repeat this in the podcast. A uh, Maybe the most important 
piece of musical art of the 21st century. Um, that remains to be seen, but that's how I feel about it right now. And I, I say that because of the stuff that is happening right now uh, in our country, um, and because this is um, through just sonics, through sound waves, this 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 addresses a lot of this. Uh, but it also always has an eye towards um, you know being universally better. Uh, you can call it the light at the end of the tunnel. You can call it God. You can call it whatever you, whatever you want to. But it. Um, uh, Kamasi Washington and, and his crew have tapped into something uh, that just radiates uh, the brightest light uh, in in a time of, of darkness when we need that. So uh, so that's what we're doing, and um, and that's that's really all we're doing. So uh, sorry about the heavy intro, but uh, if you guys want to check out this album, and I suggest you do, then let's head on down to the basement, meet my friends. Uh, Ian, uh, Ian Taranji, Philip Bass Knight, uh, Hafa Nunez, otherwise known as Eduardo Nunez's brother, um, to talk about this, this masterpiece of work and, and take a, get a brief respite from, from the hell of, of this week and this, this bullshit that we're, that we're doing to ourselves. I will see you guys on the back end of this. And right now here is Kamasi Washington's Heaven and Earth. This this is a uh, a, a two hours and twenty four minute. Uh, this is this is not just making a jazz as Casey Ray is about <laughs> yeah. to say. This is he made the jazz and it was a jazz odyssey. Yeah. And, it, and this is a thing that you, you this is a thing you think about when you when you're in college. You get really fucking high and you listen to like Dave Brubeck or fucking Coltrane. You're like, what if there was this jazz odyssey, man? <laughs> and, and look, I don't know if because we're all most of us in this room are a little older. I don't know if our collective like want of that made Kamasi Washington just willed him into existence. <laughs> But he's here now, he is. and he and he's doing this. And uh, he, you know, this is a guy uh, from Los Angeles, um, Inglewood, Los Angeles, actually, and uh, came out a couple years ago with the Epic, which was exactly as advertised. It was yeah. it, it was the Epic. It was a soon to be a graphic novel, by the way. Oh my god! <laughs> really? Uh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and, and you know, it's three hours of jazz made by this this crew that a lot of people had never really heard of, but have been like really shedding it in in Los Angeles and. And and really redefining and have since then redefined what we think of modern jazz and, and in many cases modern hip hop. The West Coast Get Down, which many of these players on this album are uh are from, uh was the band for Pimp Butterfly, which we're gonna talk a little bit about because at this point after this album, I don't know which is more important. <laughs> That, I mean, it's up for debate now um, because you're admitting Kamasi's role in a certain Ryan Adams hit in, uh, uh, in chronicling his biography. I blocked that out. Okay. And, wait, did you just did you just say something? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, I don't even know what you're saying. <laughs> but um, you know, uh, the, these guys, people like Kamasi Washington, Cameron Graves, Brandon Coleman, Miles Mosley, Stephen Thundercat Bruner, um, fucking Ryan Porter, yeah. are. Uh, for my money, the future of American music period, the American art period, they are, they are some of the best. And, uh, so after the Epic, uh, 
they put out, honestly, and I know that, Ian, this is one of your favorites, Harmony of Difference. Yeah. I don't know how you beat that. I, I don't know. I, I I don't know. You have to. It's a perfect. It's a it's a it's a singular piece of music yeah. that is just um, to my ears. It's 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 perfect. It's simple. It's uh, um, you know the the songs are based on simple structures, simple themes, um, and then it weaves in towards the end and 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 it yeah. builds to a, a crescendo where you have basically all the thematic elements from the songs that came before into that final song. I mean, it's just it it is of a piece. Yeah, by itself. I think, I think to Kevin's point earlier, like if if you had been like high and in space, like that's what you would have come up with. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. Yeah, and you would have high in space. <laughs> and 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 so look, the bar is high for for what any of these guys are going to do. Ryan Porter earlier this year uh, released the Optimist. That album was I think eight years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, we know we know our friend Miles is is hard at work. I know he's finished an album. I don't. I haven't heard any of it yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. But uh, Cameron oh, Gra- Cameron Graves is just. Is Miles going to sing on it? Yeah. And, Bar- and Barbara's gonna come to kick your ass, son. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, but uh, that's neither here nor there. But um, but uh, you know when they all Miles, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> when they all get together, uh, it, it becomes something special. And so the question was after the harmony of difference, not is it gonna be good, it's sort of how good you're gonna it's gonna be. Yeah. We're gonna get into that, but uh, I, I'd say the single, the first single off this is a pretty good indication. Uh, this is nerdy as fuck. It is jazz as <laughs> yes, fuck, it and it, it's 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 not perfect. It's fist of fury.
Fist of Fury right there. Uh, honestly, doing yeah. the Wu Tang proud, like fucking <laughs> yeah. like Kung Fu is in the house. This is Shaolin Jazz. This is Shaolin um, Jazz. Shaolin uh, Jazz. <laughs> that should have been the name of the album. <laughs> <laughs> this is uh, uh, much like, uh, but I think more succinctly than any of his other work or any any of any of their other work. Uh, you know, like Miles Head Uprising. Uh, the Optimus we mentioned, Planetary Prince, Cameron Graves, uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. This is an album for me, I think, about black empowerment, but much like all those things, it lets you in if you're willing to fucking exercise. Yeah. You got, I mean, you got to work. You, you got to like jazz. Mm-hmm. Or rather... It's dense. Or rather, you're going to like jazz after listening to this. Like, <laughs> yeah. You should, you, you, you know, you have to look at it like, okay, this is an important work of art for my money. It is maybe the most important piece of american art in the 21st century interesting but that's interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll knock that down or we won't but but time will tell you know it is a thing when you hear that that so clearly touches on all these things that we know yet it isn't that it's something new right it came out of outer space and and like and like i was saying i don't even know where to begin like to start to break this apart but uh eduardo you look like you want to jump in yeah I'm, I'm like lean i'm like kevin look at fucking me um <laughs> yeah, so, pick me pick uh, me <laughs> so like i think uh to build on your point you know uh this this song uh leads to a long spoken word section that um that uh specific i don't know the original uh sample but there's sort of a there's a man speaking um and it sounds like sort of a civil rights speech or maybe uh mm-hmm. like a sermon um, and it's matched by a woman repeating those words, and it keeps sort of restating the yeah. idea that, you know, sort of we're no longer victims, we're not asking for justice, we're going to actually, we're going to take it, right? And it yeah. connects, and that, that speech connects like this, this is also Afrofuturism. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, right. But but it connects the future with the past mm-hmm. in like the most literal way. The guy says it, she says it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, and. I've never, I, I just haven't, like, I don't understand that composition. Well, it's also, it's also like in terms of the, in terms of the actual content for, I mean, not that there's like a famous uh, sort of deranged hip hop star who recently misspoke about the nature of slavery. <laughs> but if you want to talk about um, refusing to be victimized and reclaiming your own identity, the way to do it is the way this right. song does yeah. it. It's not by saying that if you're, if you know, slavery is your fault because of your mentality. <laughs> right. So another thing I think is interesting too is this is on the earth side. Yes. It's not on the yeah. heaven side. This mm-hmm. is not an illusion, a mirage. It's not anything like that. This is reality. There is a, I, fi- I found a lot of stark sonic contrasts and thematic mm-hmm. contrast between those two sides. Yeah. And I found agree. myself being like, Oh, I like it better in heaven. No, yeah. I like it better on earth. <laughs> right, right. And and I think that's actually the point. The quote he he gave for this uh and I think Normally, I like to go into albums without context. I just to see what it is, and then I'll look into it later. But th- I think it's important you go into it knowing this. Uh, this quote that inspired the entire dual albums is, uh, the world that my mind lives in lives in my mind. Mm-hmm. And this idea, like we were just talking about The Matrix and, <laughs> and everything, is sort of, you know, and, and look, these guys are nerds. So this, I mean, it definitely, I think, gets there on this album. But uh, he goes on further to say, the earth side of this album represents the world as I see it outwardly. The world that I'm a part of. The heaven side of this album represents the world as I see it in, inwardly. I am and the choices I lie, I, I make lie somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. And now knowing that, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I didn't yeah. think I could like him anymore. Yeah. <laughs> That's the best thing. <laughs> but but so, so you write that down. And you say, 
I'm going to make an album like that. <laughs> right. And you, <laughs> I, I guess the point is you perfectly execute Here, on, 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 on that <laughs> process. Yeah, good luck, but he perfectly executes mm-hmm. on that. Yeah. And, yeah. and it is like, you know, it is split into two albums. That's how actually the advanced game. They're like, you got to listen to it in two albums. It's two different things. I think you can wrap it up. Like Earth is a very distinct piece. Yeah. Has a very distinct feel. Heaven has a very other mm-hmm. distinct feel. But taken together, uh, it just um, it's dissociative. Well, uh, you know, I think one of the interesting things that really comes out on the on the Earth side is that his approach to composition. There's like there's that sort of expected like naughtiness that you get from like the sort of classic hard bop type uh, mm-hmm. type arrangements, the sort of Rudy Van Gelder stuff. But um, but there's like a, a muscular quality maybe to how the band approaches it and to the sound mm-hmm. that you don't uh, that you don't usually get from jazz mm-hmm. anymore. And that sort of like got like got sort of like blanched out of the music in the late seventies. Um, the funk. They took the funk right. out of jazz. Yeah, yeah. Well, the and drums then, are like super. Com- compressed and like squished squished in everything's like super in your face and kind of aggressive yeah nothing is shy right like there's no shy instrument in the mix it's just like everything comes in like ripping at you um it kind of reminds me in that sense of like and the heaven and earth thing i think plays into this a little bit too in the afrofuturism thing uh a lot of like old sun Ra, and like Mm. uh Mm. the idea of like the sun Ra orchestra and how it was this very like centered in grounded earth based things but it was right. also very much like we're going to space yeah and i get that vibe a lot from a lot of these tracks where it keeps bouncing back and forth between this very like grounded and rumbling thing yeah to this just like taking off into outer space you know one other thing too from like the instrumentation side is it's it reminded me especially on earth actually only on earth it reminded <laughs> me of uh sketches of spain the miles Ooh. davis yeah. record which I believe is the first thing that he did after Kind of Blue, uh, or the first full length that he did after Kind of Blue. And it's it was a funny parallel to me of like, how do you follow the epic? What's the next full length after the epic going to be? Right. Do something like Sketches of Spain, which to me is actually like, I love. I think it's a tremendous record. Um, and it, yeah, I just, I don't know if that was on purpose at all, but it felt very, uh, it felt like a, a subtle little nod. Like, yeah. Following up a masterpiece with another masterpiece. <laughs> I want to just want to go on record. I'm I'm more of a bitches brew uh, <laughs> person, but um, my overall impressions. I I think that this is a real showcase for Kamasi himself as a a um, whatever the musical equivalent of a five tool player in baseball because right. he's his his yeah. individual performance his just his tone on the saxophone is so pitch perfect. Um, I mean, it's, 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 it's very hackneyed to compare saxophone players to Coltrane, but his tone very much reminds me of it. His articulation on the horn reminds me of it. Like his performances, his solos are so on point. I mean, obviously there's tremendous performances all over, but I think this is also a showcase for his, his, his composition and, and his production. Like he is working with a an enormous musical palette. He's got, I think you said what? An more, 30, enormous musical team. Uh, Thirty nine piece, piece orchestra. orchestra. That's that's over and above his jazz band. Like yeah. he's got yeah. he's got one of the, he's the got most two amazing different jazz bands. I mean, he's got Cameron uh, Graves. He's got he's he's alternating between Thundercat well, and Miles Mosley right, right, right. on he's, bass. He's got, he's got, got Ronald Bruner on, on drums. The two bands are the next step in West Coast West Coast Get Down. 
I don't and then know he adds an orchestra on top yeah. of that. I mean, it's 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 crazy. And he and and I mean, if if we're to believe the notes, I mean, everything is is composed by him. I mean, he's charting out these horn harmonies. He's putting together. I I presume he's charted out the entire orchestra and yeah. and and arranged it. I mean, this is like serious musicality. I mean, so I have is... I have a question about his his playing actually because you just you just spoke to that Ian and and I feel like I have a much better feel for Kamasi as a composer <laughs> than I so like I think of a lot of jazz musicians and I can sort of point to like a solo or a moment or something that makes them them, right? And so like mm-hmm. so like I've if you want to know who Bill Evans is, you listen to the solo on Flamenco Sketches. Mm, right. If you want to know who Coltrane is, there's like three or four mm-hmm. sort of go-to or giant steps, my favorite 13. thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, <laughs> Freddie Hubbard, you've got Red Clay. Like, like there's just so many. I, I could just go on for mm-hmm. a long time about that. But but with Kamasi, I'm not sure. So like when I think it's the song Connections, which is kind of mm-hmm. slower. Um, and it's either Connections or Testify where he comes, he steps into a solo the way like Michael Brecker would on like a Paul Simon record in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Like it's just that that Saturday Night Live bright, sax yeah. tone, very bright, yeah. you know. And sometimes yeah. he sounds like Sonny Rollins. Sometimes mm-hmm. he's channeling Coltrane, like you're saying. Like I just I don't have a feel. I don't have as good of a feel. And that's maybe my one. Let's, let's check out thing Testify about because uh, you know one on one one of one closes out Earth, and it is um, crazy shit. Is my with the what it, I have? Yeah, literally I mean, what I have uh, written down it, on my notes. It is it is crazy shit. And, and, it, and <laughs> take a nap after. No, literally it, what I wrote in my notes. Once it starts the ascension into space, because I think that's that's literally the delineation. Yeah. Yeah. It starts heading into space, yep. and then you get into the heaven side of the album. But Can I just really quick about testify. It yeah. reminds me very much well, of the rhythm changes from the epic. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Well, well, let's hear a little bit of that. That is smooth as fuck. Yeah, that, that, is, that could be on the Lethal Weapon 2 soundtrack. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and everybody laugh because they know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yeah, no, it's dead on. Huh? And, it's dead on. And to bring some, some music into that. That's a two-chord vamp. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a two-chord vamp. That entire song. Um, I don't even think that the chords even really changed all that much when they went into the chorus. But 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 the the layering of the different parts on top, uh, on top of that basic... Mm-hmm. Structure, mm-hmm. Uh, I think, is 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 tremendous composition, tremendous production. Um, you know, I'm I'm a big fan of, especially with a big band. I play in a big band, and what I like about it is everybody gets small parts mm-hmm. yeah. that that that, that sure. they can really just kill. You know, 
Um, and that's exactly what's, what's, what's going on here. Nobody's playing too much. Nobody's playing too little. Everybody's there. Sometimes they're laying out, but they, they all come in. It's, it's, it's very dynamic. Um, but do you again, see, the, do you see that as, as something? Vamp. Do you see that as something that's unique to jazz? Yeah, or or unique to just like great bands? I think it's more often not the case with jazz. Right. I think I think once someone yeah. is sort of you know technically good enough, they're more likely they to, play. to play with people that they can just solo like, don't over don't mind these the cats in the back. Yeah, like not to pick yeah. on like. I don't know Pat Martino or Stanley Jordan. Not to pick on guitarists, right. I guess that's who, <laughs> hey, hey, that's hey. who I just singled out. But come on, now. Um, but no, but 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 I think there's plenty of bands out there where like once you're good enough, you just sort of get three like replacement level musicians, mm-hmm. right? And you assume people come to see you. I think mm-hmm. it's rare that you get to like assemble this level of talent and have everyone buy into the collective vision, yeah. and really want to deliver it. Yeah. To, to your point, to circle back a little bit to your point about uh, Coltrane. Yeah, and and doing that. And this is this is one of the other things that's remarkable. I mean, everything about this album is remarkable to me. But one of the things that's remarkable and was remarkable on uh, Ryan Porter's "The Optimist." Um, at that time, we said we postulated that these cats, they were kids. They're out in the LA jazz scene, right? And they don't have a name. Barbara is shepherding them through the scene and stuff, but they're just like they're just struggling to get gigs. And all of a sudden you have this like dope ass fucking saxophone player. And what do people want to hear who don't really, you know, passive listeners aren't just rock and roll. Passive mm-hmm. listeners aren't jazz. They just want to hear like the pleasing stuff. And so the idea that, that Kamasi could do a, a just sterlingly perfect Coltrane impression is like, that's, that's not even like a question. Of course he can. Mm-hmm. Of course he can fit into that. Um, and I think uh, that, plays into a track I want to get to now, though, uh, the, the LA-ness of this album, which largely informs the Heaven side. Um, because, look, California's far out. You're from California, Raphael. And, and, uh, and, and so, you know, it's, it's a different vibe. It's, it's certainly a different vibe than, like, New York jazz. Um, but there's something uh, that he does where um, we don't often equate the music industry necessarily with the television industry or the movie industry and stuff, but they're all, if you go to LA, they're all, they're, they're swimming. They're swimming yeah. in the same pool. And if you think about what the message of Kamasi Washington and his cohorts, and, and we know this from talking to Miles Eduardo, uh, it is about like uh, spreading peace, like getting people together and mm-hmm. stuff. And when he deploys this chorus, um, there's uh, Patrice Quinn, as the vocalist and stuff, and and there's a, there's also a whole other chorus behind that. Uh, it has always reminded me of Star Trek, and I didn't I didn't quite put it together until this album, because if you think about in the '60s what was going on, like Vietnam, and and Nixon, and uh, and I mean the world's coming apart, and Roddenberry was like, guys, we got to get this shit together. And the sounds, you know, theremin was new, so that was in there. And stuff. But it, but it, it was informed by hanging out in jazz clubs, be like that, wah, 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 you know. And there's so much of that in Kamasi's music, um, and I don't think it's necessarily conscious, uh, but it is. It feels like an unconscious homage to that. And to the power of what that music meant, and and but he hits it on the space traveler's lullaby, which is like. <laughs> You know, come on. Is there a theremin on the album? I think that may be the literally yeah. the only instrument that wasn't on the album. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it could be. Uh, Space Driver's Lullaby. 
So uh, that's not John Coltrane, emphatically. <laughs> right? And I was, I was thinking about this, especially listening to the heaven side of this, of this record. Um, and I was thinking about where I think guys like Coltrane or Eric Dolphy and some of the more far out guys, especially in the mid 60s, might have lost the thread a little bit. And it seemed to me like they were guys who thought they were seeking truth and music just happened to be their channel. And at some point, the only way to keep finding truth was to like actually break the music and not replace right. mm-hmm. and not replace the structures you were breaking with new structures. It was literally, ju- you know, it's as that's John Coltrane beating his chest and screaming on stage because he doesn't know what notes to play anymore. And I was thinking about where Miles Davis went right, which is that Miles Davis was like, if the music isn't good, people aren't going to play to see you, right? You're a musician. <laughs> you got to make good music. Yep. People got to want to hear the yeah. shit. And so, and, and I, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that, that what we're, what we're seeing from Kamasi is this incredible ability to like, to really uh, uh, bring forward um, sounds and idioms that aren't necessarily new, but to arrange them in novel ways that kind of recontextualize them or, or that, or that challenge our assumptions about what jazz can be. And I, and I think he's already done that in yep. a number of different ways. But, but what's great about it is that even, even when the solos on this record get a little verbose or a little sort of technical, um, there's still the musicality there. You don't have, you don't have moments where songs just break down right. into those sort of Eric Dolphy squeals that, which are great, or Nick but Coleman, like, right? Yeah. But yeah. how often are you going to no put those jazz. records on, right? Right, right. right, right. Well, so there's always direction, right? Like yeah. it never, even when there's a lot of notes happening, yeah, you can tell that, like, all right, this is going to happen for like four or eight measures, and then it's going to transition into some interesting thing, or it's some weird build of noise, or but it has a purpose. It's not just like I'm well, playing a million <laughs> notes right now. Well, and for me, to that point, for me, and that's the biggest question that this album poses for me is. What the fuck is music, dude? Because <laughs> I, I, I seriously, in uh, not to drag us back down into reality, uh, but but you know we're a, we're we're living in like the shittiest Trumpian timeline. Uh, Anthony Bourdain is dead. Uh, both Eduardo and I had some of the most, it was possibly the most intense conversation I've had with anybody mm. randomly after a Phil Cook show. Yes, which is how everyone should experience Phil Cook shows. <laughs> yes, it is. It is. Go to the Phil Cook show and have this weird somebody you don't know, and yep. just a perfect and, stranger that you'll never see again. Yeah, you'll never see again. Um, and then uh, I came home and woke up and like listened to this, and 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 it, it feels like stuff just cracking open in a way that it needed to. And and I guess like, look, I, I listen to a lot of music. I run this thing, and but but is this what <laughs> is this what this is supposed to be? Like, yeah. is this the monolith? Are, are we the apes fucking banging at the monolith and the space babies out there somewhere? <laughs> well, let's not. Well, let's not. Sorry, let's that's not. Even one of my songs. <laughs> I mean, let's not. Let's let let's, let's not take it too far out of the stratosphere because it's grounded. It's grounded it in solid musicality. It's grounded in. I mean, going back to your point about him playing like Coltrane, the way that I experienced sort of the Coltrane ness of his. Of it was was his tone, but also the blues playing. People forget that yeah, Coltrane sure. was at his core a blues player. Um, he went into the stratosphere uh, after that, but he always had that foundation. Right. And so I feel like this this music, while it is different than anything else we're hearing, it it's still grounded. It feels it doesn't feel jarring. 
It feels meditative uh, at certain points. It feels groovy oh, at me, certain dude, points. To, it is to me, dude, this feels like certain... a fucking earthquake. Yeah, this is like this is like this this whole taken as but it's a grounded. Whole. But it's but it's grounded in stuff that we know, right? So I this mean, is a man who understands the idiom. He knows. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, he knows. But, every... but taken as a whole, like the power that he holds, like it, you know, it's it's like the Thanos snap, dude. It's like <laughs> everything comes unraveled when you, like, Philip. You said you yeah. were listening to this a lot. And it's a lot. It is so much to take in. It I is. I want to play the track immediately after Space Traveler's Lullaby because I think this actually veers towards like just classic eighties R and B. It's like, a Portuguese title too. Yeah, yeah, and and they're using like vocoder and stuff, and and it's, yeah. and it's fucking James. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is I think this is Marcus Moore's favorite track on the album, but uh, unconfirmed. <laughs> but uh, this is a uh, how, how do you say it? Vilua Visal. Okay. That was Vilua Visal, which uh, has a lot of uh, kind of traditional Brazilian MPB elements, as as much of this record does. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as Harmony of Difference was really heavy on that kind of on that sound. And there's yes. and there's there's a person I associate with that, and it's um, having spent many years digging through crates and, and buying uh, jazz on vinyl. It's Creed Taylor, um, and um, whose seventies uh, kind of uh, label um, put out some fantastic jazz records. That sort of mm. embodied that Hubert Laws, Don Jobim, um, beautiful melding of like uh, of like jazz and Afro Brazilian traditions, and then half of it is complete ass. 
and is like, okay, and you're never sure. Didn't know we were going there. Well, you're just never sure, like whether whether like like Wes Montgomery plays the Beatles ass. like absolute schmaltz. And a lot of that. So a lot of that is like the remnants. We forget that at that time, like. The way Tin Pan Alley used to run the music industry still right. ran how the music industry worked. So it's like, look, we got this formula. You record, you record right. these Beatles songs. <laughs> it'll sell in these markets this many records. You down an afternoon of work? Yeah, sure. That's the check. Fine. The check clears and you show up at the <laughs> right. same. Yeah. Right? You know, but but the whole time, you know, when you're when you're flirting with that type of music, there's like there's like a bright line, and like you don't always know when you stepped across it or not, and. And so it's possible to step across it without knowing it. And it's, it's awesome that Kamasi spends so much time on this record, um, uh, like all of it, like in that sweet spot of like channeling yeah. all of the great things about that period in jazz mm-hmm. and modernizing it and updating it without ever glancing across the line of like the really bad Freddie Hubbard records or the Joe Farrell and George Benson one, which has a great well, he does cover. Tones, though. Well, yeah, yeah. but and it's, I was but, I was about to say, are we going to drop Hub Tones? Because I really Hub Tones by yeah, Freddie Hubbard. So yeah, good. I mean, good. I actually, I actually, I actually went back and listened to the original, and like he's doing a lot of really different stuff. I mean, yeah. It, so it's, wh- it's, it's, where is this on the album though for you guys? Because because look, it's, it's Hub Tones, right? Yeah. So in an album that is out there, all of a sudden, and it's on Earth. So yeah, it is it's on the, Earth. So it's the one. It's the one non. Why is it here? Yeah. Why is it? Well, it's it's not the one. I think there's a yeah, Fist of Fury. Is Fist of Fist of Fury? Is, Fist of Fury is, is not an original. And then also, um, um, Ryan Porter wrote, composed one. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But um, but this I think this is the one true cover. Right. Um, I think it's I think it's there because he's 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 adding the Latin. He's he's adding more Latin groove to it than even Freddie yeah. Hubbard had. Okay. And so I mean I think it's of a piece with with kind of the Brazilian nature, but there's also a lot of very Latin. Latin parts to it. Like I really, I, I, I dug Hub Tones. Well, let's hear a little. Bit I, I put a little yeah. heart. I put a little heart by it. On my right. notes. <laughs> Thank you. 
Do you guys think that if you took any 45-minute chunk, like a, a normal album, from this record, you, you know, drop the needle here and you played it for 45 minutes, that you would be as satisfied with the experience as you are when you listen to the whole, or more satisfied, less satisfied? What do you, do you think it would stand on its own in that way? I think it do- I think it does, because I feel like the songs stand on their own. I think that the songs are completed ideas. Um, I think it speaks to his ability as a composer, uh, that the songs have, you know, very defined beginnings, very defined endings. Mm. Sometimes jazz, you get a little, and I know this, having played jazz, is that sometimes you're kind of like, how do we end it? Well, let's just end it. You know, this this is this is this is well composed and constructed music with despite with a, with a, with a despi- hard start. Despite it creating a mood, there's no like mood pieces on here. Right. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's a start beginning. There is the first, second, and third act. In well, I feel like song. Space Traveler's Lullaby is kind of a mood piece. Yeah, yeah. a little bit, but but, 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 but a good I mean, one. But I mean, the but, way I, the, the way I see it is is Philip is that I fucking I. This thing cracks open my head and just—it's the best way, right? This mm-hmm. is what, and this is why I started like with the question, like, what the fuck is music? Like, what is the, what is the point of this? Because I need two hours and twenty-four minutes. Yeah. <laughs> and if I take it, I get up and I feel rejuvenated. I feel like I've learned something about the universe, and I think that's going to happen every time I listen to it. But I can, I can, as I listen to it more, get in and I can listen to hub tones. That's a little more. And they're Fist of Fury, cool. Uh, but, like, it's a type of thing where you want more. Mm-hmm. And so you have to, um, I mean, it's almost just like fucking urge management, right? <laughs> <laughs> but what do you think happens if you just take the first 45 minutes where you're getting a lot of Latin grooves and you never get to right. heaven? Yeah. Or the opposite, where you get sort of that... Almost like a, I don't a Hollywood one, score uh, with heaven, and you never get the. Grooves. I don't think one exists without the other. Mm-hmm. Right, I know it's just sort of an interesting it's thought experiment because you're yeah, like, yeah. I don't know that I would be nearly as satisfied with either be, be, of these did not both exist. As, as much as stuff doesn't necessarily sound like on heaven as stuff on earth, it does inform it. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's right. not, it's not like harmony of difference. It's not like just repeating themes yeah. or anything. Every every single thing on here is a distinct composition. Right. right. So I I read uh, him talking about how for him creating this was all like the straddling the line between uh, Fists of Fury and Space Travelers. Yeah. And how it was literally like connecting those two dots and realizing like it was all part of a whole for him that it created like this duality idea. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's kind of you know. One is very, very concrete, very easy to understand, and very easy to get from the get-go. But, 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 go ahead. And then the right. other one is just wide open, you know? Well, yeah. And I, I mean, I think to, to kind of um, uh, address Philip's question in a slightly different way, and it requires me to take a pot shot at a couple people, but I'm, I like doing yeah, that. Yeah, you like doing like, that, though. That's, I, that's yeah. not a problem. So, so, like, I don't remember the last time I put on, like, a Brad Meldow record, and I wasn't exhausted by the third track. <laughs> Where I was just like, you've played, you've played all of the notes. And then I look at the playlist, or like, like the track listing, and it's like a double live CD. <laughs> and I just feel bad for the other two musicians in the trio. Who, like, I'm one eighth of the hear. way through this album. <laughs> and so, or like, and the same goes for like a lot of guys whose work I like, who, who I like seeing live, like your Christian McBrides, Josh Redmonds, like all of those like kind of 90s guys who came up as like the second, you know, Young Lions or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they're all incredibly gifted musicians, but they haven't been able to to create recorded music that lives up 
to that right. idea. And right. so the thing I love about about this record is that first of all, like I just if 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 this were a if someone so, tried to sell me like a two and a half hour Brad Meldow thing, I would we wouldn't <laughs> I wouldn't be down here talking about it, right? But a two and a half hour Kamasi thing, like yeah, I will I will go all the way through it. I don't I don't know if if this had been broken up into like five different releases of a traditional right, right. right blue note length. I don't know that I would have felt the same way about it, but it's uh, um, and knowing the the whole like I have a hard time dissociating it. I, I think you might have actually revealed the one ding on this album, Phil, is that and it's just not, it's just a weird thing to say about something. It is so compositionally tight song to song. You you actually can be satisfied by one of these songs or 40 mm-hmm. minutes of these songs or 30 minutes of these songs. Yeah. But in, but you'll, if you, if you stop there, you're going to miss the whole mm-hmm. and you're going to miss the entire point. Like if you just listen, right. if you just listen to Spaceman's lullaby and the next two songs after that, you're going to be like, this is groovy, man. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, it, that's cool. And that's a testament to his talent. But uh, like, there isn't a compelling um, it's so good. There isn't a compelling reason to be like sit down and listen to all two hours of it, unless you understand it is an entire piece. Mm-hmm. Yeah, until you've done it, you could never really understand right. why that's worth <laughs> doing. And, and can we and and can we give some credit to the fact that on his basically his second full album, it's another double album. <laughs> right. His first album is a double album. Quadruple LP. That's sir. all good. And his second, like, fully formed album yeah. is another <laughs> double album. Like, all the amount of work that went in behind the scenes to get this music here is mind-boggling to me. I mean, you know, just the orchestral pieces, the yeah. choral pieces, the horn harmonies. Like, everything is just so right on point mm-hmm. that, it, I mean, forget just the, even the the rehearsal time i mean how much time did he sit and 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 chart out these songs and yeah. and chart out these 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 melodies and these harmonies uh to do a double songs, album as, look, as his look, second these, these songs i mean are, are we really, gonna get if he if he ever gives us just a, like a regular uh single <laughs> album we're gonna we're all gonna be disappointed <laughs> i i mean i mean and, and look these songs are and and all the stuff he's done are uh by his own definition these are an extension of him this is what is inside his spirit, what he's trying to mm-hmm. say to the world. This is in line with a lot of Afrofuturism. This is yeah. a lot of Afrocentrism. Uh, and um, and for my money, like he's he's the guy to follow. Mm-hmm. For sure. Like, if you want to save the world, you start here. <laughs> and I, I, I don't know any other. And that's why I said at the top that this is maybe the greatest work of art in the 20th century, 21st century by anybody because – I can't point to anything else where I'm really like, this could actually save the world if people just sit and think with it. Mm-hmm. The Pimp a Butterfly is really fucking close. I think there's no chance they don't collaborate again, too. You know right. what I mean? They're right, just right, right. too good, and they both established themselves as individual entities. Mm-hmm. There's just no way. There's there's no way it doesn't happen again. And I, right, but, but, so but I think despite the Pulitzer, I think Kendrick fell off about that mission. I don't know. Uh, on Damn. Like well, so so that's that's one thing I was going to talk about is like in that sense, like forty minute chunks or like the one ding, that's like dinging to pimp a butterfly for being an entire journey that <laughs> right, is right. so heavy. Right? No, that's what I'm like, saying. Hey, it's, it's do not... you want to learn about racism you might not have thought about? 
Uh, here's an entire album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and like this. it's a hard sales pitch, but once you're into it, you're like, I can't stop listening to this thing. This is the most fascinating li- thing. You can't stop listening to it because the music is so good. Yeah, it's yeah. so the message, The message, you put that message. If you you put that you you put the message from To Pimp a Butterfly on bad music, and you've got bad music, right? Okay, <laughs> uh, it doesn't matter how great your message is. No, if well, the music it, sucks. It, well, and nobody's many people listen. have. Kendrick <laughs> makes that point. <laughs> so Kendrick literally makes that point in "Damn," Wait, yeah. where he says, "You know, did, Eduard- my last did, did Eduardo throw somebody under the bus?" <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and where he says, "You know, my last album, I was just, I was trying to raise black artists, but there's a difference between black artists and whack artists." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, and his point is like, no, this album is just bangers because like you guys think you can do this. And all I'm but, about is but this th- message. And if you think about how Pimp a Butterfly was received, because Good Kid, Mad City was, I think, on equal standing, mm-hmm. it was just more um, pop appealing. It was more mm-hmm. pop. Right. It, had, it had hits. Uh, and when people heard All Right, they're like, nah, nah, that's not going to and, and because they thought Kendrick was playing the same like media game, the pop game, and, and that he was going to craft an album that was meant to be like popular culture instead of like history mm-hmm. uh and uh and yeah and so you can't really divide that up if you do it's not if if you do it's not a good album mm-hmm. like any part of that album but this if you take it apart it's hard to say well if i just listen to hub tones that's a fuck mo- <laughs> that's a fucking <laughs> That's a song, man. It's so dense you can just you can you yeah. can spend hours just picking apart any one song um, and I know because I because I tried <laughs> on a lot of these songs. I sat I sat with my guitar and my son playing bass, and we were trying to figure out a lot of these tunes. And you know, like I say, some of them are really simple. They're two chord vamps, and and then there's just a lot of crazy shit on top of it. But some of it is really very densely orchestrated and and um, composed, and and I, and I think that that shows a real breadth of artistry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So we all I think, it, yeah. dig. Some motherfucker of an album, uh, Ian. Do you want to apologize to anybody before it's <laughs> before what? Before they hear it? Yeah, like... I don't need to apologize to anybody. You're right. The vocals are on point. Indeed. Because he's got because he's got because he's got because he has a vocals singer. Vocals are on point. He has a he brought a singer in to do the vocals. No. Uh, thanks, guys, for hanging out. And, and look, you know, I love Miles. We Mosley. just talked about thirty minutes about <laughs> about this. It's a two hour, two and a half hour album. Listen it to is it. not. There's no way we could do it justice. No. I think all of us share this experience of cramming for this shit, and it was like, mm-hmm. nah, I don't even have. I think we should do one in like a month. Yeah. After we after we like like sort of like revisit rest of the, it. Rest of the year. Revisit we'll, it. We'll just revisit <laughs> it for like half an hour and be like. Right. And so be like, okay, here's here's what we had to say before. Now I've dug in even deeper. I found this, which I didn't see. <laughs> yep. I didn't notice the first, you know, the first ten times I listened to it. Indeed. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna take a quick break. We'll be back in a few. And uh, thank you guys for hanging out. And uh, thank you.
Kamasi Washington's Heaven and Earth is available on Friday, the 22nd of June. Everywhere you can buy fine records, you can get the vinyl copy like I'm going to get. And, uh, you know, man, have a fucking... I don't even know what's going on on Friday. Have a fucking listening party. Have people over. Spread the joy. Do the thing that you were put here uh, by whatever a creator, a... Uh, just a, a happenstance of electricity that you do, which is to spread joy uh, to your fellow man, to your fellow creature, um, just to be good, to enjoy everything. And um, yeah, fuck. I had this whole other intro and outro recorded, and today just got, it just, the past few days just got really heavy. And look, this album makes it better um, for me, at least. So hopefully it'll make it better for you. But if not, find the thing that does. Uh, that is the way. Uh, that is the way we get, we get through. I believe that we will, uh, and we always, as human beings, as a society, sort of bounce back to some level of norm. I worry that that the the bar keeps getting lower to what we bounce back to, but that's neither here nor there. That's my pessimism. Um, but uh, yeah, just uh, I can hang tight. Everybody is hanging tight, and. Go out and uh, and see a show this weekend. Go out, listen to some great music. Hang out with loved ones. Find new loved ones. Uh, do whatever. Do whatever it takes. And uh, and and in the meantime, uh, keep fighting to stop this shit. Because um, the best summing up. Nah, we aren't doing this. Uh, that is it. We are out of here. I'm not going to play a track. I just want to want to get on out. Um, and uh, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave us a rating or a message there. You can listen to us on Google Play, Mixcloud, or Stitcher. Uh, also on Spotify. Uh, always look it up. Look us up on www.chunkyglasses.com. There you will see the live work of Mauricio Castro, Matt Condon, and Avery Junius. They are amazing. They're out there every night. They are spreading their joy to you uh, of being out in the world. That is something that I intend to get done a little more. Uh, in this break, which, as I mentioned, we are taking a quick break. I am um, uh, part partly because of all this shit, just because you have to. Uh, uh, this is a lot of work, and and you have to be able to compartmentalize stuff. I think sometimes, and uh, I it, the other stuff is taking up too much space. So something's got to give, so I can like just relax. Um, so that's what's going to happen. Uh, but uh, before then. Somebody else, a really good friend of mine, somebody I love dearly, uh, PJ Sykes, uh, he reached out to me and said that he was retiring Hoax Hunters, his band, but he is sort of picking up his label, Cherub Records. Um, the parallels there are kind of obvious, uh, at least to me. Uh, at any rate, I just honestly got off a mic with him, uh, a great conversation about just being a label, DIY, doing it yourself. Uh, doing good and and making good art and just making good and putting it into the world and how to be like that and uh, I think it was a it's a good way to go on break after that so so that's coming up Monday and then uh, and then we'll be gone for a little while I'll maybe tweet at you some you know, great interviews you want positive stuff go back and listen to the one we just did with Phil Cook uh, the one we did with Nick Sanborns um, and Sylvanesso even further back. Uh, that's, that's just a super positive, super posy crew. Uh, when we did Bob Boylan, we talked to Damien Dorado. I, you know, the list 
a frenzling male the horse uh sean barna even though he's the prince of darkness um just go back and uh and you know check those out if you haven't i think some of them are um that's how i have uh gotten through a lot is having these conversations and the reason they exist up here on the internet is so because if they help me i think they might help you and um yeah so serious intro and outro done uh i will see you out in dc if you are in the area on friday night andy jenkins phil cook played on that album i don't know if he's playing the show but andy jenkins is a dc9 and then our very own flasher dc's own flashers playing at black cat on that saturday uh i'm gonna put down the mics and pick up my fucking camera and get it back out there and shoot some shit so so i will see you out there uh and we'll be back on Monday before the break. Until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. And, and fucking, I'm serious, dudes. Just start being good to people. Uh, and we will talk to you soon. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!